Hey, this is Larry Robertson, award-winning author of Rebel Leadership, How to Thrive in Uncertain Times. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, which I suggest you want both, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsis. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsis. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I want to welcome you to today's episode. I have a wonderful guest with me. His name is Larry Robinson. Larry Robinson is an innovation advisor helping people discover value at the nexus of leadership, entrepreneurship, and creativity. He is a popular columnist with Inc. Magazine and Creativity Post, CEO World Magazine, Smart Brief on Leadership and others, and the award-winning author of three books, Rebel Leadership, How to Thrive in Uncertain Times, The Language of Man, Deliberate Pause. In 2021, he was also named a Fulbright Scholar, a rarity for non-academic professionals. Larry, a big welcome to to you to the show. Dennis, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Hey, look, I've given a brief background to our listeners about you. And of course, you write a column for different magazines and so forth. Anything else that you'd like to share with us about your background? Sure. I'll just shed a little light by pulling out of, of what you said, what I think is the most important. And that is that over the course of my career, three areas of expertise have have dominated what I've done, creativity, entrepreneurship or entrepreneurial thinking, and leadership. And the reason I call myself an innovation advisor is because, you know, those are three things that all of us admire in some way, creativity, the ability to think like entrepreneurs do leadership there. Each of those actually is made more powerful by the combination of the three. And so my work as an innovation advisor is to help leaders, help organizations see that they need all three of those things and that none of them are the domain of the few. They're actually the domain of the many and that everybody can can play a role in that. Yeah, and I suppose when all three of them come together, that's where the magic happens, huh? Absolutely. I mean, if you just you know take any one, too, it's pretty hard to be an entrepreneur and break new ground if you haven't practiced using your creative capacity. And similarly, if you're only the kind of person who breaks new ground as the entrepreneur and you never learn to lead, then the chances are that whatever value you create isn't going to last very long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it has to be a combination of all three team listeners as I'm talking about this, because together, as I said before, it's powerful. It's magic. Larry's saying it is powerful. And it's a great thing to for all of us to work at. Larry, is 
What happens if, do you have to be born with all those three different aspects or is it something you need to work on to develop as a leader? Yeah, it's a great question. And I'll I'll pull two of them out to answer your question, creativity and leadership. Mm -hmm. These are, it's it's really interesting, Dennis. These are human capacities. Ah. Every one of us has a capacity for, we're born with it. It's, it's, It's standard factory issued equipment for creativity and for leadership. What makes us think that we don't, that only some are born this way or some can be the leader or be the innovator, is simply that we define things like creativity based on their outputs, right? So we look at a a beautiful painting or a social movement or a score of music or whatever it might be, and we think that's creativity. That's not creativity. Creativity is the starting point, not the end point. So really the world is made up of the few people who know that we're all creative and practice that, know that we all lead in some way and practice that, and the rest of us who are kind of wrongly told we're not, and so we're out of practice. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's that's anything too, team. Uh, listeners, when you're going to the gym, if you're not out there developing the muscle and growing it and, and using it, it's it's not going to be used at all. And we tend to forget things. Uh, well, when do people tend to be more creative? Is there a special time for that to happen? Is there a special environment for them to, to be more creative or is it all the time? Yeah, it's a really good question. And so every now and then, people come out, say writers, for instance, and they say, oh, it's always best to write in the morning, (laughs) right? And then the next writer says, oh, it's always best to write in the afternoon or something like that. So no, there's no particular time. But the second thing you pointed out is really astute. There are particular environments where people are more creative. And, And this is really simple. It's environments where they're allowed to be so where they're encouraged to be. So so think of a business because, you know, think of leaders in business. To the extent that we allow our entire team or our entire culture to think creatively without penalties and, and, and allowing for a hefty amount of experimentation, the data is off the charts proving that we are going to build more adaptable, more resilient, more versatile organizations, and that innovation, rather than being thought of as problem solving, is something that will kind of be in the in the tea, in the cup all the time. It, it's, it's there, yes, to solve problems. It's also there to see opportunities. And frankly, it's a great way to be tuned in with what our assumptions are in any one moment so that if they need to adjust, we can adjust them. So the environment has everything to do with Ah, oh, wonderful. And, and Larry, I really like you mentioned a couple of times and when you were just sharing us with that that information just then, the word allow. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, I define with a lot of people, leaders and executives I work with around the world, whereby sometimes they don't, they don't give themselves the permission or they're waiting for someone to give them permission around that. And I think, is that where you're getting at in relation to allowing themselves to be creative? Yeah, very much so. And, and and it applies not just to those who are designated the leaders, but to those they lead. So, you know, in the broadest sense, I was talking about leaders have this fear that if they allow people to think creatively, to experiment, in, importantly, to question, mm-hmm. that somehow all hell is going to break loose. And like I said, especially when times are uncertain or changing constantly, the data is off the charts the other way to say right. that locking down actually creates a more restrictive ability to adapt in any particular circumstance. But this is really interesting to to really pick up on your thought there. Leaders think this way about themselves. 
they think that they are supposed to play some kind of heroic role, mm. always have the answer, always know what direction to go, always deliver a positive rather than a negative. And so leaders locking themselves into that kind of thinking rather than being open and really at the core of creativity is openness. That's what really makes them more successful over the long term. So it's a lesson for leaders and not just for the people they lead. Yeah. Hey, leaders, others, be vulnerable with it, with the creativity side. Open yourself up, as Larry's saying. I think it's, it's that's really cool. It's some real fascinating stuff that you're sharing here, Larry, for sure. So you've written some books, and one of them is uh, Rebel Leadership. And that. How, how did you get into leadership? Well, I so I listened to quite a few of your episodes, and I would say that I come at the answer to that a bit differently than some of your guests, because I've been in both angles of leadership, the more traditional roles, playing a leadership role in different organizations as a founder, as a member of startup teams and otherwise. But I've also been in this position of advising leaders, guiding them, researching leadership and and where it's effective, especially when leaders are under pressure. So that's in my role as an advisor, but also as a board member and investor in in different organizations and in my writing roles. And so it's that combination of things that that has always had me realize that you need to take a 360 degree view of leadership. And I feel like I've experienced that by being in those various roles, but I also feel that my mission professionally in life has become to remind people that they can't just see it from one perspective you know, from the top down or the bottom up, or even from the outside looking in, you've got to look at leadership in that broader 360 degree view, if you want to understand how to effectively lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, good points, because I think the 360 degree assessment or view, as you say, is very important. We can catch ourselves out, we'll be caught out if we don't actually take that 360 degree view. And I think uh, what you're saying here, Larry, is that for a lot of leaders, when their back's up against the wall, in other words, there's a lot of pressure, crisis, things going on for them. There's like this other person comes out of the of, out and goes, Ta-da! and everyone goes, <laughs> yeah. whoa, where was, where was that person? And it may not always be a good thing. And I think I, I like what you're saying is a 360 degree view of leadership is really, really important. Yeah. And I'll add one thing to that. There's an HR approach, a human resources approach called the 360 degree review. Mm. That is not what I'm talking about here. So that's a tactic that says, gee, let's look every now and then at the end of a quarter, at the end of a, a year, and let's take this 360 degree temperature reading of how I'm doing as a leader or how every member of the team is doing. I'm talking about living this. I'm talking about having that 360 degree view every single day of the year, not just of yourself, not just inbound people critiquing you and, and, and saying positive and negative or whatever. No, it's thinking in 360 degrees what leadership really means. And what leadership really means is not this big equal sign between the leader and leadership. Leadership is something bigger and it encompasses the whole organization. That's where the 360 comes from. Wow. Hey, listeners. It's not a tick in the box that we're talking about here. It is actually bring it to life and actually, as Larry's saying, living it and being their leader. But it's the way we think about things. It's the way we look at things. It's the way we do things. It's everything. It's the whole package rather than just a tick in the box because it's a review time and um, and that's where a lot of people do that, right? So, yeah, it's really quite interesting. Larry, now you may have several here, but I'm going to ask the question, which is, who's your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? 
So I this is I always find this a fascinating question. And since I I not only study leadership and therefore leaders, but I'm advising them, I you know, I think about this, at least on the edges all the time. If I was to think historically first, Abraham Lincoln has long been one of my favorites. And I'll tell you why. And, and it may be particular to the way I look at leadership, but he led in deeply uncertain and changing times right before and then during the American Civil War. He was also an incredibly thoughtful leader, very bold, very creative, and yet at the same time, very pragmatic. One of the things he was most pragmatic about is that he knew what he didn't know. And so he knew he needed others. And to the shock of many, he surrounded himself, not just by capable people, but a diversity of, of people, sometimes including his own opponents. So I've always appreciated what he did in those times and circumstances. If I had to pick somebody modern day, that I admire in in similar reasons, it would be Satya Nadella at Microsoft and the way that he has led an organization through change of their own internally, but now these changing environments around them in the last six years that he's been the leader. Another one I admired was Indira Nooyi, who was Pepsi's former CEO. But the reason I, I paused when you asked me that question is truthfully, I try to move myself away of focusing in on single leaders. The really important thing, as I mentioned earlier, is leadership. And so while individuals play key roles at different points, it's that understanding of this larger concept of leadership that really makes for the effective leader. That's what Lincoln was. That's what Nadella is. That's what uh, Nui was. So I, it's that leadership element that I think is just that much more important. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, as you said, it's probably at the point of time. So I think for a lot of us, it's whenever we're going through, and I think it comes down to probably a term that I use a lot when when the students really, the, the teacher appears. So for a lot of us that when we are ready as a, as a leader or to take on certain things, there'll be certain things that we'll learn from various leaders as well. And it'd be the sum of everything which makes up that leadership, as, you, as you're saying for sure. And Abraham Lincoln, I, I love what you just said, uh, shared there. He knew what he didn't know. And then he actually tapped into other people to bring that. And I think at times you've got to be a vulnerable leader, but actually quite a You've got to be a mature leader to be actually able to do that because I think for some leaders at times, they feel threatened. And I and I sit back and I watch and I go like, really? I mean, come on, you could be so much better. And let's take you out of the equation and think about the organization. Think about the community. Think about the team, The what, what, what everyone else needs. It's not just about what you are or what you need. We right, need right. We need leadership, and that's 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 a big difference. That's a that's a lot different. It's interesting too. I think one of the reasons some leaders shy away from that is a, a sense of risk. Mm. So you know, I I I start from somewhere down below, and I want to make my way up the ladder of leadership. Is is a mentality that many of us have a, across the globe. So the further you go up, the less you want to risk losing what you've gained along the way. And so you become more cautious. The irony is, is that the, the one of the primary jobs of leaders is to see and to help mitigate risk. So it's all about engaging with risk at a certain level, some of it positive in order to innovate, some of it just the natural course of things because changes around you sometimes aren't in your control, mm. and some of it negative that you have to mitigate. So it's, it, it's very interesting to me to watch leaders back off one of their primary jobs 
when they start to move up the ladder because they don't want to lose what they gained when actually their ability to mitigate risk all the way up the ladder was one of the things that helped them gain that position in the first place. Yeah, yeah, very great points. Thank you. Listeners, if you are not already taking notes, you should be taking <laughs> notes right now because some really great things that Larry is sharing here. Larry, the show is called Leadership is Changing. And uh, when I, I mentioned that title, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I tell you, it's one of the things that first attracted me to the show and to listening to the, the different episodes because leadership is changing. The question we could ask is, well, why is it changing? And one of the reasons that it is changing is that we live in a volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous time. And people throw that acronym around VUCA. What's fascinating to me among even those who do is they think in terms of it being volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous here and there, or occasionally, and that we're going to have these long intervals of, of things being normal in between. And our job in general, and our job as a leader, is just to get from one normal to the next as safely as possible. Here's the thing that leadership changing means for me. Things are VUCA all the time now. It is our new constant. I call it our new abnormal. And if we try to lead in ways we did in the past, where we were lucky enough to have those long stretches of things being normal, of status quo, of almost operating in a formulaic way, if we try to lead like that in an environment that is constantly shifting, we're setting ourselves up for failure. So that's how at least leadership that's thriving is changing, is embracing that we live in a new abnormal. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Nowadays, when we're going through certain times around pandemics and so forth, it's actually emphasizing it even more so. I mean, people, are, it's really quite interesting. And when you were mentioning this or talking about it, I was laughing here to myself thinking, so true, because it's almost like people have a switch. They turn it on, they turn it off, they turn it on, turn it off. But actually, they don't turn it on and off. It's actually been turned on and off for them. In That's fact, right. And then I think if I take what you just said, it's always on. And it's always on. Yeah, it's always on for sure. And, and this, so, so what's interesting, Dennis, is there are leaders in organizations who not only are realizing this recently, not just in the last two years, but over the last 20, they've recognized that the world is tipping ever more towards this volatile, uncertain environment and that it is there constantly. And so they've had to face the music and say, how am I going to lead differently? How am I going to create leadership differently within my organization so I can thrive in those times? And I think that's what everybody wants ultimately is to thrive in those times, whether it's a pandemic or any of the other many forms of uncertainty that are out there right now. Yeah, and they do need to face the music. And, and I think people in the organization team, whatever the situation is, families, the lot, they're looking to those leaders as a rock. They want that support. They want that direction, vision, where we're going and so forth. Because as you say, it is uncertain times and, and a lot of people are not sure what's going on for them. Absolutely. So it's really quite interesting to see how that is working or moving out and panning out at the moment. But also it's almost like we're watching it happen, but we're also part of it. And then we're also saying, okay, so what are you doing? Uh, it's a bit, if I, I use an analogy at times whereby if a house is on fire, a building is on fire, most people is get out of the fire, get out, get out of the building and run. Where if we look at the emergency teams that come along to the actual fire, what do they do? Well, they they run to the fire, they run into the fire, mm. and they take it head on. Right. And I think I think that's where we're talking about, as you said just before, leaders facing the music. And yeah, it's a, it's a great analogy and a great way that you've actually just shared there, Larry. So yeah, yeah. I love your analogy as well. Mm, Perfect cool. one. So 
How has your business or industry changed and, and what demands has that put on you? It's so interesting when you're in the business of advising and guiding leaders, in a sense, it's really more how their business or their industry is changing. Everything ripples into me, of, of, of course, but to pick up on this, this topic we were talking about, there's been some research done by, among others, McKinsey and Company in the over the last months of the spring here. I, I got to shift my my seasons, but in the March to June timeframe, and then they did more continuing study in, in the summertime about how leaders are operating in these uncertain times right now. And McKinsey points towards what they call a finish line dilemma or ec- epidemic. And it's this idea that when asked about how they're going to move their organizations into the future in the next few months and beyond, leaders talk in terms of great certainty. This is how I'm going to do it. This is how many days a week people will come back to the office. This is going to be the plan. Oh, and by the way, what plan we come up with in the next few months is going to be lasting three to five years, they're saying. So they are speaking in terms to their employees and to people publicly of a finish line that exists and that can be reached and that there is a race that's well-defined and that can be won. What's fascinating, though, is that there have been leadership studies done for more than a decade now by large professional service firms like a PwC or an EY or others internationally. And when leaders take participate in those surveys, they are anonymous. And in private, they're saying the exact opposite. They're describing four out of five of them that the task before them and the environment before them is unpredictable. So there's this dilemma right now that I think is the biggest challenge to leaders in any business or any industry, which is they think they have to put forward this public face and yet privately they're having other thoughts. How do they align the two? Because if you can't get it aligned in your own head, it's pretty hard to lead others and tell them where they should be going. Yeah, that that's scary. When it's I think about it, yeah, yeah it, is, it is. And when I think about it, I mean, when you see it mentioned before about leaders facing the music, I think that's part of the music whereby people are not wanting leaders to have one face, one position, or one thought that they are in. And then behind the doors, behind the scenes, behind the screen, the mask, if I can put it that way, it's a pun <laughs> yeah. nowadays using a mask, but hiding behind the mask, they have another thought or or opinion, where the face in the music today, and it's getting, Larry, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing it, it's getting louder and louder, especially over the last two years. People are wanting leaders to be real, authentic, yeah. and transparent. They want yeah. people to, to to say where it's at. And you know what? There's nothing worse, nothing, sorry, not worse, better than actually a leader turning around and going, you know what? It sucks. It's, it's mm. not good. It's This mm. is where we're at. However, this is what we're going to do. Or and this is what we're going to do to to move it forward, knowing the fact that this thing, whatever it is in life at the moment, is moving and it's moving fast, mm-hmm. and we're going to have to adapt quickly with it. But we're going to have to be open to doing that. And if we're not open to doing it, we're in trouble. That's right. So is that organisation, and, and it will be tripped up for sure. That's absolutely right. And what's fascinating to me is, I'm going to put this in a strange way. If you're ever going to embrace this difficult challenge of of taking being vulnerable, of admitting that you don't have all the answers, of crossing that line from how we have traditionally thought about leaders and been trained to to aspire to be leaders and so the all-knowing hero and all that, if there was ever a time to do it, it's now. And not just because the challenge is so great, but this this is the funny thing that I was going to say. It's, it sounds weird. You have cover. 
in the sense that things are changing so rapidly around you and everybody can see it that nobody really expects you to give an answer that's certain for all time. What they expect you to do is have a level of confidence to be able to make moves going forward. And if those moves need to shift again, either because they don't work or circumstances change, that you're ready to do it again and again and again. That's what people are saying they need from leaders right now. Yeah. And oh boy, you mentioned what the the, the leaders who are perfectionists, they're going to mm. struggle because it's not going to be perfect at all. For sure. Yeah. So yeah. Mm, interesting. Very thought provoking things that we're uh, sh- you know both sharing here. Because I think for a lot of listeners, if you step back and think about things, think about your situation at the moment. Think about where you are, what's going on for you and your team, your organization. If you're an entrepreneur, think about the same thing as well. But then what are you doing about it? And then how are you prepared to then tack in a different way going forward. And we, we've had recently the America's Cup yachting here, which is mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. an awesome thing. And just to see the different boats, they all go out there with a certain plan, but then the wind changes, the the other team tacks differently, the mainsail made, something may break, something go, everything happens at the time. But if you're not prepared and prepared to move with it and go with it, then you're not going to win. You're going to tip over. You're going to, you're going to, it's not going to go well for you at all. Such a great analogy, not to mention the fact just to build on it, that preparation means something different in the America's Cup than the way many leaders think about preparation. You're prepared with all sorts of things you can bring into play in America's Cup to come up with a remedy, a solution, a way forward, but you don't know exactly what scenario you're going to be thrown. Mm. That's the way that leaders need to begin to think. Rather than formulaic, it's almost more framework like yeah brilliant awesome barry if there was one thing you could change in a uh, in business as a leader today what would the what would be that one thing (laughs) i'm going to sound like an old nike ad (laughs) realize that there is no finish line that i think is the most crucial thing right now and i think is the biggest thing holding leaders back and there isn't one coming anytime soon so once you accept that reality you accept that it means something totally different to lead from now going forward. There, I hear another book coming on here from you. I think <laughs> I'll have to get the rights from Nike because I want to use that title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I even think the finish line, right? That the whole scenario that you've just talked about before and, and just now as well, is is so true in, in the way it is. Now, for a lot of people who are our listeners, they are employees, and you and I know employees, and we and I've been an employee. You may have been an employee in the past as well. Absolutely have. Today, how have or how has employees' expectations of leaders changed? So let me talk from the answer the question, talk from the perspective of at least employees here in the United States, because you know there are different scenarios all across the world. I'm gonna pair this with what I said before about these leaders and this this finish line problem. So when McKinsey did their most recent study and they surveyed these hundreds of leaders, 75% of them talked in terms of a finish line. Here's the interesting answer to the employee question. When they surveyed employees in 10 times the number, so instead of 500 CEOs, it was 5,000 employees, 75% of employees said they didn't buy the idea of a finish line, said that they felt the world was moving too quickly and they really weren't sure their leaders were getting it. And to back that up, McKinsey found that 26% of those employees were already in preparation to leave their jobs and another 40% planned to do so by the end of the year. So the 
way that things are changing for employees is they're looking for leaders to acknowledge that they recognize the environment and to lead differently in it. But in addition to that, I think more and more employees are saying, we're leaders too. We want a role in this. We want a seat at the table. We don't all want to be the CEO, but we recognize it's going to take many of us to figure out how to get through these uncertain times. I think those have been the biggest impacts on employees. Yeah, and that probably goes back to what you said about with Abraham Lincoln, right? I mean, if they're smart, they will actually engage people because many minds, many brains around the scenario will actually help, obviously, with things. Now, we can't sit around being and looking for consensus and, and, and trying to be there because right. we have to make a decision and get on with things for sure. But it's quite interesting how you talked about those stats that, you know, 26% of people are ready to leave and another 40% are going to. Is the grass always going to be greener on the other side? I mean, it's, it's quite an interesting dilemma because, you know, if they go from one place to another place, are those leaders where they're going to, are they switched on, ready, and and actually living it as well? I don't know. It's Well, it's a good question. I can tell you that as employees move from where they are now to somewhere else, that's exactly part of their filter. Mm. They're looking for those organizations that, I'm going to put in quotes the word say, that they're looking at the world in a different way and looking at, at employees and the roles they want employees to play in a different way. They're looking for leaders who get it, cultures that get it, you might, you might be right. They, they might think they see those signals and it turns out not. And I think they will move again. But it's a signal to leaders of organizations that that's what the employee base out there, at least here in the United States, is looking for. And they need to make a decision. Are you going to adapt to attract that kind of talent? Or have you decided that that's not important to you, that you will always be the singular leader leading by the old model? I think the choice is pretty easy. but It is. And I think if they don't make the, that choice and follow and listen to others, they're going to get bitten by people, if you know what I mean. It's, it's going to bite them from behind and, and they'll need to wake up to it for sure. So we're living in a world where we, you and I have been talking about today and around a fast-paced, ever-changing world and technology is making it go even faster and things are changing all the time. Yes. What makes a leader successful in today's fast-paced, ever-changing world? I'm going to highlight two things. The first is recognizing that as a leader, your primary job is to create an environment where everyone can lead and then encourage, reward, expect everyone to do so. That is, that is, if not the number one thing, it is one of the top things that leaders can do if they want to be successful in an ever-changing world. And the second is, why do they want to be successful? They, be, they want to be successful in a way that allows them to perform at peak all the time, not just occasionally. And the keys, if you look at, at performance research, and there's a lot of it in the last 10 years, the keys to maintaining peak performance over time are two things, being open to change and being accepting of great vulnerability and uncertainty as you do. That means that you've got to be willing to share that burden, to share that responsibility of leadership in those times when you are being vulnerable and figuring it out and don't have all the answers. So if you create an environment where everyone can lead, guess what? That kind of environment is more forgiving to being open and vulnerable. And if you don't, if you hold it all into one person in one position, it's going to be rough. Yep. And that's how you thrive in uncertain times, right? And Thank you. Yeah, exactly. you're welcome, Larry. Um, <laughs> I so, appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. But it is true. I mean, that's how you thrive, right? And it's yeah, by creating the environment for people to do that. And I think I, I like it, you know, being open to change. But, you know, if you can create an environment where everyone can lead, wow, just imagine where the organization could go. 
Just imagine. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Now, I'm going to ask you to get your crystal ball out here and, and talk <laughs> about it. And I know you mentioned before about how a lot of people think about the three to five years and it's the finish line and things like that. But if I was to get your crystal ball out and to start thinking about things here around leadership, where do you see leadership being in five years? Well, I know where it better be, which is everything we've been we've been talking about. But I'm gonna I'm gonna make a guess, no matter where on the range of these guesses the examples fall. The first thing is that thriving leadership, which is which is what we care about, thriving leadership at least is going to look vastly different than it does today. One big part of that is that leadership, rather than being seen as something that that falls into the the C-suite, if we're talking business, the CEO, the CMO, the what what have you, or the director or leader of a, of a nonprofit organization, leadership is going to be something we look to outside of the C-suite context more and more. We're not going to look for that one you know titular head above everything else. And then finally, it's going to be more diverse meaning the contributors to leadership within any particular group or organization or society are going to come from more places, more backgrounds, very different ideas, and more generations at the same time. And I think that, you know, we often talk about leadership changing hands, passing from generation to generation. I don't think that's how we should look at it. I think we should look at the passing back and forth as being constant, multi-generational, and very diverse in every other way. I think that's what it's going to look like five years hence. Yeah, absolutely. And if you go back to the very first, one of the first questions I asked you about your favorite leader, Abraham Lincoln, even in his day, I think he was very smart in doing that, right? That's what you were talking yeah, about. And so, absolutely. yeah, leaders right. and listeners here, if you can go back and think about and maybe even study Abraham Lincoln and what he did there, uh, that'll be wonderful for you to do because, you know, what Larry's sharing here, it's about the diversity. The And uh, Larry, I know a lot of organizations have this DNI diversity and inclusion thing. And for a lot of them, it's a tick in the box and, mm-hmm. and it's all already good. But it's not what we're talking about here, team. It's about you having a diverse team or diverse sort of organization that thinks differently, but it thinks from all different aspects of life and of the community and so forth, because a lot of us have a lot of things to think about or talk about. And, you know, I think for a lot of us, if we don't take that into consideration, we're probably going to miss out on some really awesome opportunities and and, and, and so forth. So I think that's that's really, really interesting for us to think about. And it, it, I think it would be great if your listeners too looked into the, there's actually great research around the improvements that organizations make when they're more diverse, including the conflict that sometimes comes with that. They're more productive, they're more resilient. And for anybody who's listening that's running a business, they're more profitable by double digits. Whoa. So there's a lot of incentive to look into it, including the human part of that incentive, that it's just reality. We are diverse as a species. Larry, you just got their attention big time when you said more profitable. They'll be going like, oh, <laughs> tell me more, which is really quite cool. Hey, Larry, thank you thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go? The best place to find me is my main website. It's my initials, L-R, and the word speaks, lrspeaks.com. Awesome. Larry, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's been a real pleasure working with you. Been an absolute pleasure for me too. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes as they've been released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family and your network. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me uh, about the show or a question for my guests as I interview them or a question for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, 
send me an email, Dennis, at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, if you haven't rejoined the Facebook group or the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing, we'd love to see you on those platforms. Thanks for tuning in today. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 